This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. Mm. And that's Milkshake. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today, we are talking about milkshakes. And... So we usually record two episodes when we meet to record, and Milkshakes was supposed to be the the second one today. However, I got over here, and I needed a milkshake so badly that I've convinced Matthew to bump this episode up to our first order of business, and I'm just going to be drinking this milkshake through the whole thing. Oh, yes. Now, this is just the first of probably several milkshakes. And uh, this episode is brought to you by Undeniably Dairy. Mm -hmm. And this is a special bonus episode. You may notice that it's Monday, depending on when you downloaded the episode. And uh, on this episode, we are celebrating the American family farms and producers that make your milk, cheese, yogurt, and ice cream. And obviously, we're doing that by talking a lot about milkshakes. Yep. This is technically Milkshakes 2. It is. Milkshakes the second. Milkshakes Jr., We did a milkshakes episode seven years ago, right? Seven Mm. years ago? It was eight. It was eight years ago? It was episode three. Wow. Okay. Well, anyway, later in this episode, we'll be talking to Elise Showstrom of Redhead Creamery in Minnesota about her journey to becoming an artisan cheesemaker. Yep. So for more information about the Undeniably Dairy campaign, visit undeniablydairy.org slash devoted. But you'll hear more about it in a little bit. But now, milkshakes. Okay. So- Matthew, mm-hmm. there are so many milkshakes on my memory lane, and it's not just because my milkshakes bring, know, the, bring boys. the boys yeah. to the uh-huh. yard. I was just I was just listening to that song the other day. I think it was while I was doing research for this episode. And I'm like, oh, I want to hear that song. Uh, let's just say that my milkshakes bring all the people to the yard. Yeah, that's you right. Know what I mean, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm an equal. Op- Whoa, <laughs> I'm an equal. Op- <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> I'm an equal opportunity milkshake Milkshaker. provider. Yeah, milkshaker. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> so my favorite milkshake has always been the chocolate malt. Do I have a milkshake that can bring people to the yard? No. Damn it. Let's be honest. <laughs> anyway, my dad always loved chocolate malts. And I feel like if there was like one one legacy that that my father instilled, does one instill a legacy? I don't think so. I think I think one. I think I think you've been legacy like marinated in a been, legacy. I've been steeped in steeped it. in a legacy. Yeah, yeah. of devotion to the chocolate malt. Uh huh. Um, my dad used to take me to Brahms, aka Borgs. AKA Borgs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that episode, I've listened back to episode three, and like I would almost 
suggest that people do that. But um, are, are, are we going to be telling some of the same stories? I don't even remember well, what I you know, said I, in that I episode. What I think we need to do, okay, first of all, I well, I was I mentioned that because that episode had the first ever mention of Borgs, a.k.a. Brahms, oh, on the show. Wow, I didn't know I brought it into the show I so early. Oh. So, But I think this episode needs to be like, what has happened in Milkshakes <laughs> since the first episode oh. aired? Because we talked mostly about chocolate malts on that episode. Okay. Well, since that episode, I had a baby. Okay. And one of the first things I had after having the baby was a milkshake. Excellent choice. I was told that that was the thing to get at Swedish Hospital, that Mm. the milkshakes were really good. You know, Mm. I'm here to say the milkshake was fine. I mean, I I enjoyed it because I I had spent over 24 hours in labor. (laughs) This is another of Molly's hot takes that a (laughs) hospital might not be the best place in town to get a milkshake. you know... uh, People, if you until you said that, I was going to head right over there after this episode. <laughs> no, but <laughs> so I'm just here for the milkshake. If you have just, you know, uh, been through an arduous process of bringing another human being into this world, you'll probably enjoy the milkshakes at Swedish. Otherwise, I don't know, they're fine. Boy, are we going to hear from Swedish? <laughs> anyway, also, I have had a lot of milkshakes from Dicks, Dicks, which drive-in. is a drive-in here in Seattle. And they're fine, too. Macklemore once uh, taped a video on top of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Um, Downtown, I think, is the name of the song, maybe. Anyway, um, I think my favorite, like, fast food milkshake in town is probably from Red Mill. And it's kind of the only thing I get at Red Mm -hmm. Mill. Um, However, however, Matthew, have -hmm. you had the chocolate shake from Hotcakes here in Seattle? Yes. Like a dessert shop. It's very good. It's very intense. I'm one of few people I know who can drink the entire thing in one sitting. And oh, I'm I think proud I did. of it. Anyway, but I, I still remain devoted to the chocolate shake with or without malt. Undeniably dairy.com slash devoted. <laughs> anyway, Matthew. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I'm still like heavily into chocolate malt. I feel like when I was thinking about what what are the milkshakes that, that have always called to me, like I maybe drink, I was going to say I don't drink milkshakes that often. That would be an exaggeration. I think I probably still drink milkshakes more often than the average person. How often do you think you drink them? Maybe twice a month. I, I would go for, I would say over the course of a year, I drink them once a month. Okay. Yeah. And because of that, like, I don't tend to crave like novelty in milkshakes. Yeah. I just, I just want to go back to my old favorites again and again. And so that's like a, a chocolate malt, a sour cherry milkshake, a lemon butter milkshake, and lately I've been super into coffee milkshakes. Um, we're going to make one here in a second. Yes, I we are. I'm like, really? This is really hitting the spot. Oh my God, I'm so into this Oreo yes. shake. Uh, Matthew, could you just talk a little bit more so I can clean out <laughs> okay. the bottom of my milkshake? Please, you just slurp as loud as possible while I'm talking about the history of the milkshake. I did a little bit of research about uh, where do milkshakes come from, and it turns out they're, they're, uh, they're born at the hospital. Swedish, mm-hmm. yeah. So, according to the uh, the late great American lexicographer Stuart Berg Flaxner, wow, le- lexicographer. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I don't think I've ever said that word before. I think I have, Lex- and I don't think this is going to surprise anyone. Lexicographer Stuart Berg Flexner? Yes. Is he related to my dad's nickname, Berg? He is related to your dad's <laughs> nickname. That is a feat of lexicography right there. <laughs> okay, go on. Okay. So uh, he he did, uh, he, he like edited a dictionary of American slang. He edited Webster's, I think. He was a, he was a, a big deal in the world of, of definitions. Okay. 
the so the earliest use of milkshake in print, according to Stewart, uh, was in 1885, but it did not refer to what we know as a milkshake today. It was something oh. more like eggnog, with like eggs and liquor in it. Hmm. Uh, and the the modern meaning uh, of milkshake, like came in like with the soda fountain craze and really like didn't become like settled in its modern definition until the 30s. It's interesting to me that it, it's it got the word shake in it. And I mean, now, yeah. you know, we think of shakes broadly as, well, but a shake, it's right, never well, shaken. Right. But the original, in its original form, it was that it was like milk and syrup. And, and like, apparently there are still parts of the Northeast where, like, old timers will say it's it's not a milkshake unless it's, like, milk and flavored syrup shaken up. It's oh. impossible for me to say this without doing, like, a whole full can body you, shaking Can you emotion. imagine trying to incorporate ice cream into that? Oh, by shaking? Yeah, by shaking. No. Purely by shaking. I mean, maybe if I were, if I had, like, huge muscles like The Rock. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if that would even help. Well, so... Huh. I mean, that would help if I was trying to, like, punch the ice cream into the milkshake. It's also interesting to me that eggnog wasn't called egg shake. That is very interesting. If uh, if only Stuart Berg Flexner were still with us to weigh in on that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay. So the, the modern meaning of milkshake... The modern meaning of milkshake. So that sort of... It, it, it was sort of solidified when, like, soda fountains came into being? Yeah, and I want to be clear. If your milkshake solidifies, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so the, the Hamilton Beach milkshake dipping machine was invented in 1911. Why do they call it a dipping um, machine? Oh, because um, it has like the thing that comes down, like the wand that comes down and yes. gets dipped into the cup. I, I, I know I talked about this on Milkshakes yes. 1, but my dad bought one of those at a garage sale. Right. Yeah, and I was slightly terrified of it because... Your dad, Hamilton Beach. Well, because if you would accidentally touch the silver <laughs> yep. glass against the blender, it made the world's most horrible sound yeah like uh yeah like it, it just goes like in a very dental direction it, immediately yes. and the so the electric jar blender dates from 1922 okay um and yeah i believe i think one of my grandparents was actually born in 1911 same same year as the uh milkshake dipping machine uh, your grandparent was a milkshake milk milkshake dipping machine yeah he said he always said i came in with a milkshake and i'm gonna go out with a milkshake and he did <laughs> um there are there are places where milkshakes go by other names um okay. so uh they're uh batidos uh which uh, are fruit and milk drinks uh that can be with or without ice cream that are enjoyed in florida and many parts of latin america have you had one of those yeah absolutely they're uh-huh. great what what flavor would you recommend um i believe the one i had when i was in florida was strawberry that sounds great. Yeah. I mean, what's not to love about strawberries and milk? In Rhode Island, uh, they call uh, coffee milkshakes cabinets. Mm-hmm. And in parts of the Northeast, instead of milkshakes, they say frap. Oh, interesting. Uh, which I think is spelled F-R-A-P-P-E usually, but never pronounced frappe. frappe. Yeah. And I think I think all of this is kind of like, you know, becoming homogenized. Yeah. These like... It, like in the like way that a milkshake. Do. Like, like how you homogenize... The ice cream and, and milk, milk together yeah. into a milkshake. Mm-hmm. So last time we did this, we talked a lot about the book Thoroughly Modern Milkshakes by Adam Reed. Yes, yes. and Which and, which had come out pretty recently at the time. Well, and that was my first time encountering that book, but it left such an impression because, seriously, listeners, go back and listen to that episode because um, we made some delicious milkshakes out of that book. Um, not long after Matthew and I did that episode. Right. 
I was at some book event and I met Adam Reed and I totally everything. I totally like fangirled all over him. Yes. And I think he was like, it was just a milkshake book. Right. But no. I was like, no, 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 no. This was like I, I'll be honest. I tend to be like kind of one of those cranky people who doesn't really <laughs> like single subject books. Oh, sure. Yeah, I know okay? what you mean. However, this is a book that is a, an incredible contribution to the world of cookery. It really Thoroughly is. Thoroughly Modern Milkshakes is a great book. Yeah, I am I am one of those people, again, this will surprise no one, who like I have like cookbook strewn around the side of my bed and I read them at bedtime because they're very relaxing so and they never have nothing terrible ever happens in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is that is a book that I enjoy taking to bed. Thoroughly Modern Milkshakes. Wow. Adam Reed. <laughs> Did you hear that? I, I mean, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he does hear it, because I think probably someone will say, hey, you were on this podcast again. Yeah. Anyway, and he'll be like, why? Anyway. So, yeah, I I I was uniquely like really worked up with excitement when I saw it. Yeah. Reed. I mean, has he written other books? Probably. Pro- almost certainly. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure his name is on a bunch of like America's Test Kitchen books, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Let's just speculate. Mm hmm. Um, so, so Matthew, are we going to make a coffee milkshake here? We are. Um, should we talk about blenders before or after that? Should we get? We, maybe we should get going on milkshake let's get going. number two. Let's get going. I'm really curious to try this because, like, even though I love coffee and I love coffee ice cream, I have not had a coffee milkshake since I was like a teenager. Oh wow! So my mom used to occasionally drive to Tulsa which is the second largest city in Oklahoma. Okay, I've heard of it. And it's like 90 miles from Oklahoma City where we lived. And Tulsa, I got to say, any of you listeners... Oh, no. First, first you're, you go after Swedish any, Hospital. Now no, you're going to be no. picking on Tulsa. No, I'm not oh, going to be picking on Tulsa. Okay, sorry. I read the, I read the room you, all wrong. Any of you listeners who live in Tulsa... I have spent my entire life being so jealous because I always preferred Tulsa to Oklahoma City. The Tulsa is always greener. The Tulsa is always greener. Tulsa had a better art museum. Tulsa had a really cool high school that I really wanted to go to. Uh, Wait, sorry. I've never heard of a really cool high school. No, 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 but seriously. (laughs) Never, not once in my entire life have I ever thought, well, that's a pretty cool high school. No, but like, did did you ever meet kids from other high schools at like, like, um, there was like a an arts festival that like all kinds of high school kids would contribute art okay, to, and I like see I would go mean. and I would like see this really cool stuff that the, these kids from this high school in Tulsa were making. And then I went to the Oklahoma Summer Arts Institute as a teenager and met all these really cool kids from this high school. And I was like, why don't I go to high school there? Uh, when I was in high school, I participated in the Constitution team. Uh, which oh was is that uh, like the debate team? It's like the debate team. Only the the debates are all about like how much do you know about the U.S. Constitution and like uh, Supreme Court case law and stuff. Okay, okay. Uh, and uh, it was which was a uh, hundred times more fun than it sounds. Uh, and we went to the national competition in <laughs> wow. Washington D.C. and met Fancy. kids from all 50 states and we had so much fun hanging out with the kids from this high school in North Dakota because so they you were So you do know what I'm talking I, about. I now then. realize I know what you're talking about. High they school were envy. the most laid back people I have ever met in my life and they gave me a positive impression of all North Dakotans. I have, I have I ever met someone from North Dakota since then? Not to my knowledge. I spent no small amount of time as a teenager like kind of 
fantasizing about what it would be like if I could like live part of the year in Tulsa and and go to <laughs> oh my god and go to Booker T Washington Dream High School high. right <laughs> anyway so um my mom also really liked this store in Tulsa they they had better clothing stores too of course and my mom got to be friends with the guy who was the owner and anyway we would go up there every now and then and my mom would do some shopping and I would tag along because the store had like free sour balls in a big jar okay sure but there was also a coffee shop in like the same little complex as this store and this coffee shop at that time was called Gold Coast Coffee okay and they made an espresso milkshake that had like little flecks of espresso in it yes and I was probably like 16 I was old enough that I occasionally went to like a coffee shop with my friend and read some poetry yes oh we've we've covered (laughs) this as you know as you know this espresso milkshake I still can taste it Oh yeah! All these years later, but I have not had a coffee milkshake. Was ever this since. was this like the Tulsa equivalent of Cassidy Square? No, this was higher class than okay. Cassidy Square. Was every, every so everything at Tulsa was like just it was like your the Bizarro World version of Oklahoma City, where everything was just a little classier. Yes, or like I never like would have guessed. Like this. the neighborhoods were more like neighborhoody, like like a neighborhood would have like a little commercial strip in it, like like you get in neighborhoods in bigger cities. Do you okay. know what I mean? Whereas in Oklahoma City, it was like a sea of suburbs and some strip malls. Yeah. In Tulsa, you could have like a really interesting residential area with a really cool like like commercial strip with like a cool record store and We probably stuff have listeners like in Tulsa. Listeners from Tulsa, weigh in. Is Tulsa still cool? Is Tulsa still better than Oklahoma City? I'm willing to put my money on yes. Again, but we also have listeners in Oklahoma City and we we mean no harm, right? It it depends on I don't who, know, maybe Molly means harm. There's a lot of, of like uh Oklahoma City boosters right now who are probably like seething. Oh, like like Earla May uh, uh you mean Berta Fay Rex. Berta Fay Rex, yeah. Uh no, but like Oklahoma City, of course, has had a tremendous amount of like urban development uh-huh. since I left there. 21 years ago mm-hmm. but which I, is weirdly just, only like about twice as long as we've been doing this show <laughs> anyway but uh you know i just gotta be honest like tulsa always had more of the things that i liked like record stores and good coffee shops and like good clothes you've been doing this show almost half your adult life you realize that matthew you are just sitting there <laughs> grinning to yourself because um, you made up this show matthew do you want some credit the show was your I guess idea I do. yeah the show was your idea um yeah, these kids from North Dakota, as I recall, like we, you know, we like were like trying to figure out like some something to talk about. And we're just like, you know, what do you do for fun in North Dakota? And I remember this one kid just being like, mm, not much. I was just like, I, I didn't know you could talk about your hometown that way. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, what did what did you like? So I, he, he well, already I was, I was knew that Portland. his hometown wasn't that great. Yeah. And not even not that great. Just just that it was that it was boring and like yeah. there were more interesting things to talk about. Whereas like coming from Portland, which even uh. even back then, like, you know, you know, there was a lot to do in Portland. And did you have like Portland pride as a teenager? I guess I maybe sort of did. What is that like? I mean, I don't think it was something I thought about every day only only when i was like meeting some kids from north dakota yeah that sort of thing yeah no i definitely grew up in the place that's like you know the the butt of people's jokes yeah i definitely thought seattle was cooler than portland growing up well it turns out i was wrong well it's true it's true (laughs) all right can we make coffee milkshakes now fine let's do it 
This episode is brought to you by Undeniably Dairy, celebrating America's dairy farmers and producers. Did you know that over 97% of American dairy farms are family-owned? Elise Showstrom is the cheesemaker behind Redhead Creamery, which she runs on her parents' dairy farm in Bruton, Minnesota. We talked to Elise about her journey to becoming an artisan cheesemaker, including a bit of inspiration from Mr. Rogers. So we understand that your your interest is specifically in, in cheesemaking. Will you tell us about what made you want to open a creamery? Sure. So I knew I wanted to come back to our dairy farm but I didn't really enjoy milking cows at the time. My brain was all to any ideas out there of how could I be involved in the farm without milking cows. <laughs> so, so I actually went on the National 4-H Dairy Conference trip, uh, which is in Madison, Wisconsin, not too far from us. And we visited a farm uh, called Crave Brothers Farmstead Cheese, and they pipelined the milk under the road from their parlor over uh-huh. to their cheese plant, and I just thought it was the coolest thing. I'm very much into how things are made, like that Crayola um, episode on Mr. Rogers of how crayons are made. I, don't I know remember that it, so vividly, <laughs> the liquid yeah. wax turning into crayons. <laughs> Even the music is in my head. Yes, me too. <laughs> yeah, so... So I was just fascinated by that, and I came home and declared that I will be making cheese someday on our farm. How old and were you when, my, when you'd made that declaration? Um, I was 17. I was a senior in high school. Awesome. So, so what, does your, what does your daily life look like? Well, it depends on the day, but mm-hmm. I wake up at 4 in the morning, and because wow. I need my time. Yeah, I need my time to have my coffee and eat my breakfast, which is usually some sort of sugary cereal. And, uh, <laughs> With milk, of course. Of course. And then I come into the cheese plant and I start sanitizing all of my equipment because I get milk as the cows are being milked. So I have to be oh, ready wow. at the same time they want to start milking cows. Oh, wow. So, uh, so it literally like comes, comes like through the pipe into the creamery like as the milking is happening? Yes. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so... So the cheese curds we're packaging today were milk in the cow this morning. Yeah, it's kind of cool. That's (laughs) amazing. Wow, it never even occurred to me Me that you could do that. Was there anything particular about uh, the idea of cheese as opposed to any other, like, yogurt or something like that? I love cheese, and I I really, I don't know that there are any dairy products that I don't love, but I think cheese is probably the most versatile of all of them. And it's, you can be so creative with it. Cheese, you can co- create completely different items and call them cheese. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's just a lot more fun. What does your creamery make? Uh, we make a variety. Our original cheese, that are kind of our flagship, is a cloth-bound cheddar called Lucky Linda. Uh-huh. And my mom is <laughs> And she's my, my assistant cheesemaker. And we make our Little Lucy Brie, which is like a six-ounce wheel of Brie. Mm -hmm. And Lucy's my daughter. And then we do the North Fork Whiskey Washed Munster, which is a a French-style Munster, so it's a stinky, Mm -hmm. gooey Mm -hmm. cheese. And we use whiskey from a local distillery on that. 
and that's my favorite. But it's also the most frustrating because it doesn't always turn out exactly how I want. <laughs> yes. But, um, <laughs> Thanks a lot, nature. And then we also, exactly. I always want to have like five core cheeses that we're known for and then I can play with the rest. <laughs> yeah. What is something that you'd really like people to know about about operating a creamery or, or making cheese? Something people might not know about what you do. Mm, there's so many things. <laughs> uh, I think what's important as not just a cheesemaker but a, a dairy farmer as well is that we want people to know and to realize that uh, we're also human and that um, we're working really hard to do the best that we can and to continually improve what we are doing. And so we're always trying to find the best things that work for us, but also are best for our animals and for our cheese and, um, and for our customer. Um, but I think a lot of times it's so easy to not imagine an actual person behind that product. Mm-hmm. And I always think about when I'm doing a demo at a, a store and someone will try it and then they'll state their opinions. <laughs> yeah. Thinking that I'm a store employee or, you know, I have no connection to it. And then I explain that I made it and they look at me like, oh, my God. <laughs> so it's, it's just that little thing of just realizing that people are behind all of these things that are made and being able to connect with us. We appreciate and want just as much as they do. So that's probably the biggest thing, which is probably a long answer for that. No, Um, that's great. That makes perfect sense. Well, thank you so much for taking this time out of your day. Yeah, we really really appreciate it. I hope we can get to Minnesota and and visit the creamery and, and taste some cheeses with you sometime. That would be awesome. You are more than welcome. For more information on Elise and her cheeses, visit redheadcreamery.com. And for more stories of the people who bring you your favorite dairy products, visit undeniablydairy.com slash devoted. Okay, well, the good news is we're back. Um, the bad hope, news is we... Hope you enjoyed that interview segment. <laughs> we we forgot to take the coffee ice cream out of the freezer earlier, and it's, like, too hard right now, so we have to come back and record some more before we can make the coffee milkshake. Yeah, the amount of time you have to wait between wanting a milkshake and getting the milkshake for the ice cream to soften is, I... like... Like, it's an amount of time that is uniquely tuned to be as frustrating like, as possible, I, I, I think. never, ever have thought about this. It's like, I just, if my ice cream is too hard to scoop, I put it in the microwave for like eight seconds. I know, but that feels like cheating to me. Well, but but if you leave it out on the counter, it seems to me that, like, it stresses me out that, like, when you refreeze it, it's going to get, like, ice crystals because maybe more of it is thawing than you want. But I, I mean, I think of it the same way with the microwave. Like, like, what if you go overboard and you and it melts too much? Like, I don't know how powerful my microwave is because I don't put ice, ice cream, cream in it. Ice cream is so stressful. It is. It's, it's really, one of the most really stressful, stressful things. Okay, wait. I, I want to talk for just a second about blenders. Okay, let's okay? let's get into this because so when we made the milkshake episode eight years ago, yes. the original milkshake episode. 
you made milkshake the, senior. You made the milkshakes in a um, in like a the cup that comes with your immersion blender. Yep. You used the immersion blender in the cup. And yeah, I recall obviously. thinking at the time, you know, I should probably have a jar blender. Like I don't remember when we got rid of ours, or like we had one that broke and we didn't bother replacing it because we weren't using it that much. But then after that experience, I was like, we should probably get a blender. And that was eight years ago, and we have not. So Matthew asked me if I would bring over my blender for this, and I have like a hand-me-down Vitamix that used to be at Delancey. Yeah, it's a beast. It is a beast. It's heavy. It's loud. And here's the thing, okay? Like, I get it. I, I'm lucky to have like a very expensive blender, okay? <laughs> it's, a, it's a real Tulsa blender. It's a real, real high-class blender. <laughs> anyway, but here's the deal. Like, I don't think blenders are, are very well-designed machines. I know. Now, having said that, so the the issue really is, I mean, first of all, it's like getting everything like within the the reach of the maw of the blades is so, part of it. So the Vitamix comes with like a wand that we, you stick down in there and yeah. you move shit around. Which <laughs> I got to I got to like operate the blender and and use the wand, which is like the thing that sticks down into the jar and it's, and it's like it, it was like playing whack-a-mole with, yeah. with like lumps of ice cream. Very satisfying. It reminded me of when I used to work at Celestial Smoothies in Oklahoma City. Do you remember? Do you remember that? I'm talking I about about cool guy Tony, who I had a crush on, who, yeah, was, a, who was a deadhead. <laughs> anyway, that was my first time ever using this kind of blender. I don't know if it was a Vitamix, but it was like that kind of style, and it had a stick in the top. Yes. And I remember, you know, whack-a-moleing the like frozen bananas and strawberries using that. Style. Stick. Yeah, it was like whack-a-mole if the goal of whack-a-mole was to like um, grind puree, the moles up. <laughs> puree, puree moles. <laughs> yeah. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so my mom, my mom has a Vitamix and she loves it. And she says that after you are done using it, you put in a little bit of warm water and like a drop of dish soap, just a little bit of warm water. And then oh, you turn yeah. it back on. That sounds fun. Here's my problem. Okay. Okay. So often when I make a smoothie or a milkshake in my my jar blender, I leave a little bit in the jar for later. Like there's there's too much for the glasses or whatever. Then by the time I come back and pour it out, the stuff on the sides has already begun to like solidify. Just like we said earlier, if your yeah. milkshake solidifies, that's not good. <laughs> um, and the, I mean, the other problem, we didn't even talk about the, the most serious problem, which is getting the, the stuff out of the blender jar. Yes, that is never fun. You have to get a spatula. Your spatula inevitably gets kind of like nicked yeah. on the, the blender. Blades. I don't like, and I I care about my spatula. People are evangelical about their fancy blenders, like these Vitamixes. Like people love these. Yes. Yeah, so I if, don't quite understand it. Like I prefer a good immersion blender. So yeah. So I've been making uh, milkshakes with my immersion blender in for the last eight years or so, and there are certainly drawbacks compared to the jar blender. Like you know, it uh, it takes longer. It, there's like it's it's more likely to like spit on you. Uh, you know, and you can't. Make <laughs> Are you as talking much. about like a llama or, or um, is it camels who spit? I think I think camels and llamas. Well, I think Both? llamas. I think llamas spit. Do do camels spit also? Probably most animals <laughs> spit when it comes down to it. <laughs> like you know um, that uh, that book. Every everyone everyone spits. spits. <laughs> Go on. Um, yeah. So and you can't make as much at a time, but. 
The advantage is it's easy to clean and it's so easy to get all of the milkshake out of the jar, which is why when we eventually make this coffee milkshake that I've been looking forward to all week, we're going to use the immersion blender. Well, and the other thing I was going to say is, so you say that you can't make as much. It depends on what vessel your immersion blending is. Of course. You know, you could make a cauldron, frankly, of... You could frankly make a culture. That would, but that would involve like you have to kind of hunt around with the tip of That's the immersion true. blender, and that would be a lot of like hunting and gathering of ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, I think it's almost time to scoop that ice cream for the coffee milkshake. So I'm gonna I'm gonna like set it up here because the reason I started making coffee milkshakes again recently is because Trader Joe's started carrying coffee syrup. And this is something that I read about originally in Thoroughly Modern Milkshakes. It's a thing from Rhode Island. Okay. And it is used in cabinets. And there's like one chain or one uh, like cabinets, soda fountain. You mean coffee milkshakes? Yes. Okay. Uh, that uh, that makes awful, awful cabinets, which uh, they're like awful big and awful good, which I just love saying awful, awful cabinets. This is so confusing. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> um, just a coffee milkshake, okay? Okay. Um, but uh, you can make a coffee milkshake with coffee coffee syrup, and you can either do that with vanilla ice cream, or if you want an ultimate coffee milkshake, uh, you do it with coffee ice cream and coffee syrup. And I also like to throw in a little bit of Hershey syrup, because okay. not not enough to make it taste like a mocha shake, but just like in the same way a little bit of espresso powder makes your brownies taste yes. more chocolatey, a little bit of Hershey syrup makes your coffee milkshake taste more coffee-y. Okay. So... And so you're I can't using wait any longer. So you're using coffee ice cream. Yes. A little bit of coffee syrup, yep. a little bit of Hershey's chocolate syrup, and, and then milk. and then whole milk. Whole milk. Okay, great. All right. Take it away, Matthew. Okay. Hello, coffee milkshake. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this looks mm. good. Oh my god, that was like such a little satisfied mm. grunt you made. Grunty sigh. Yep, this was worth waiting for. Oh, it's very thick. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's so good, Matthew. Does it does it taste anything like the one from it Gold does. Coast Coffee? It does. Yes. And you didn't even have to make espresso at home to do it. I know. Yeah, I I do like a coffee milkshake that has a shot of espresso in it because I don't mm. have an espresso machine. Mm. Yeah, is that good? Oh, it's so good. Will you post the recipe? Of course. Oh, man. Okay, so... Uh, oh, so hey, wait. Drinking coffee milkshakes. How did it work using the immersion blender? Oh, it worked absolutely fine, and um, I was able to get all of the milkshake out of the cup. Something something that I noticed uh, when we made... Uh, well, we're going to talk about Oreo milkshakes in a minute, but we've made a couple of milkshakes now. One with like a super premium ice cream mm-hmm. uh, that's dense and doesn't have a lot of air whipped into it, and one mm-hmm. with like a... Uh, Kind of supermarket brand ice cream that's uh, very like uh, light and fluffy and scoopable. Mm-hmm. When you blend it into a milkshake, that air mostly gets lost, and so as a result, much I felt less like milkshake. I felt like I was scooping and scooping and scooping the vanilla for the Oreo milkshake, but then it all kind of collapsed down into a paltry amount of milkshake. Yeah, when you poured the milkshake out into glasses, I was like, "Is this all?" Um, I know. That's so interesting. Yeah, so it, that's called overrun, right? Mm-hmm. When there's a lot of air whipped into ice cream. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you are really mm-hmm. in the zone. <clears throat> so, Matthew, you turned me on to the the joys of the sour cherry milkshake. Yes, and I don't, I don't remember like I, this. Obviously, was not like my invention, but I don't remember where I got the idea from. And I know we talked about it on the sour cherry episode. But the idea is 
just like when sour pie cherries are in season, pit a bunch of them and blend them with vanilla ice cream. And that's your sour cherry milkshake. And it's incredible because they're so juicy. I mean, they're like water balloons. Yes. They're so juicy um, that you don't even need milk, just ice cream. Yeah. It's like a real taste of summer. I understand you have a sour cherry milkshake story. <laughs> I do. I do. So I love them. Man, I feel so dumb every time like <laughs> setting someone up for a story. Like I feel like I'm I'm like a, a local news reporter and it's my first day. Like, <laughs> uh- so I under or, or like like I just got a job hosting like a, a cable access talk show. So I I, I guess I, that's not really a job. I understand that you have an interesting story to tell about. about uh, uh, it says here uh, you once went to Tulsa. Anyway, June and I are both big fans of sour cherry milkshakes, and mm-hmm. um, we had some friends over to dinner maybe like three summers ago, and it was sour cherry season, uh, Montmorency cherries is how they're often labeled the those are the the brighter red ones yeah they're bright red oh, i guess there are there are dark morello, sour cherries yeah. too okay anyway um invented by tom morello of rage against the machine <laughs> he was the one i had a crush on i think he's no. a great guitarist i mean yeah, i'm was, sure he's a cool guy too i can't which one did i have a crush on tom tom morello of rage against the machine and i have a mutual friend oh really yeah. that's cool Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So we had some friends over to dinner. I had bought and pitted a bunch of sour cherries, uh, the the bright colored Montmorency ones. Uh, I did not manage to make dessert before June went to bed. Oh. Then I was in this this like sort of pesky situation where I wanted to go ahead and make these milkshakes, but she had just gone to bed and I was afraid that the sound of the blender would wake her up. Oh, that sounds like a classic pesky situation. Plus, I was making like a really large batch um, f- like to share with, with our friends and all of us were trying to be really quiet. Uh-huh. You know, that, those oh, super fun dinner yes. parties when you're, you're trying not to wake up up any children anyway so i was making it in a food processor because there was too much to put in my blender oh yeah i took the entire food processor out onto my deck where i have one of those little like uh outdoor outlets yeah it's like covered with like a little little silver cap yep and i i closed the door behind me and stood out on the the deck so that i wouldn't wake june up and ran the food processor out there so that we could all still have our sour cherry was everyone like gathered around the food processor or were you doing this everyone yourself everyone was inside whispering about me oh. probably cuz i i looked like a big loser <laughs> did anyone take a video no no but anyway those milkshakes are really good they were worth it food processor deck fail mm-hmm. only it wasn't a fail Mm-mm. it was the opposite of a fail matthew you wrote freak shakes on our agenda what are those okay so as i understand it thanks for setting me up uh, with that story mm-hmm. a couple of years ago there was a there was an instagram thing of people posting milkshakes with an absurd amount of garnishes and toppings and stuff. How did I miss this? I I don't know. I know you you are you are plugged in to all things <laughs> mm-hmm. all things grammable. Yeah, food food trends. Um, That's my beat. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but this like when I when I started searching for uh, like what's new in milkshakes, this was the thing that came up and like I get why this would look cool in a picture, but it's like is it like when when somebody it, sometimes people do this with bloody mary garnishes? Yes, we talked about this on it's the like bloody they, mary episode. They yeah. Put like a, like a pickled shrimp on there right. and like, like and I a, mean a cheeseburger right. and 
Yeah, and <laughs> exactly. so people started doing the same thing. They got tired of, of putting those things on Bloody Marys. They <laughs> ran out of Bloody Mary real estate and had to start building on top mm-hmm. of milkshakes. Um, and yeah. so, you know, like uh, what kinds of things? You, you know what Pickled kind of shrimp? things? Pickled shrimp. Basically, the entire topping section of a Menchie's. Oh, uh, so that that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I don't like that. So. I honestly don't even want whipped cream on my milkshake. I don't either. You like, know, earlier I mentioned hotcakes. I mentioned mm-hmm. uh, their chocolate shakes. And I always ask for it without whipped cream. Yeah. Because I just, I don't want even like a beautiful small dollop. Yeah. And I, I want to be clear. I love whipped cream. I will eat whipped cream straight. But I, I, you know, it doesn't integrate with the milkshake in any way. Well, and if a milkshake that's really good is pretty strongly flavored and it's yes. just like there's no point in putting whipped cream on top of that. Yep. You won't even taste it. Exactly. So I'm skeptical about the freak shake phenomenon, which is good because it's probably over now anyway. But I was wondering about Oreo milkshakes because it's something that I've had from time to time. And like I always get annoyed when like a chunk of something gets stuck in my straw and I can't suck up the milkshake. So I was wondering like we made a does that, does that happen often? I, I mean I feel Oh, if I had a nickel for every time something got stuck <laughs> in a straw. No, 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 no. But something got stuck in a straw of your milkshake. Yes. Well, but aren't you drinking chocolate milkshakes? What's getting stuck in mm. there? This is like when I get a milkshake out. Like or one time, like somewhere, I got a Nutella milkshake and like a lump of Nutella got stuck in my straw. <laughs> Was there these, like an entire hazelnut in there or something? <laughs> yeah, like these. When something that like that happens to you, like you remember where you are, like when the when the hazelnut got stuck in your straw. I I do when I make strew. I make strewthies at home, which are my- <laughs> which are strewzel smoothies. That sounds pretty good, actually. So flaky, so cold. <laughs> anyway, when I make smoothies, serving temperature, cold. Serving suggestion, cold and flaky. <laughs> when I make smoothies, it's rare that that I don't have like some sort of little like lump of strawberry in there, and I, it is upsetting. You're right. It yeah. All, like the straw always gets the strawberry like no matter how many times straw straw gets the strawberry that's why they call it a straw (laughs) no matter how many times you lift up the straw and move it away from the strawberry it goes back yes or maybe the strawberry comes to it you like blow into it suction yeah you blow into it and like the thing pops out but then the very next suck it it goes right back in like like a quarter of the way through the next suck it goes back in this is making me so angry. I don't just think thinking anybody's about ever talked about sucks as um, like a suck. <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> I think in some in some contexts people have. Oh, like give it three good sucks. Yeah, that's no comment. Um, so uh, yeah, so I wanted to know if we could make an Oreo milkshake like with uh, with freshly ground Oreos, but like finely ground so they wouldn't lodge in the straw. So how did you grind them up? In the food processor. I went out on the deck. The neighbors were all looking at me. No, I did it inside. Um, I ground. I finally ground some Oreos as if I were going to make a chocolate crumb crust. But instead, I uh, put a bunch of them into vanilla ice cream and made a milkshake. It was delicious. It was really good. Yeah, it was great. And there were no, like, unseemly chunks. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, like, I can see, like, wanting chunks. Well, it, actually, this is a perfect segue into into our last topic because... If you are not using a straw, oh. then maybe it's okay to get a chunk. That's true. But has anyone, and I'm really curious to hear from our listeners on this. Listeners, do any of you drink a milkshake straight from the rim of the glass well, like, we're about without to try a it. straw? No, I don't want to try it. Oh. It bothers me. I don't want to do that. Mm. 
It's weird, mm-hmm. right? It can, look, it's like in your mustache. Yeah, this is gross. This is not a good idea. Yeah, no, it's weird. You need the straw. Yeah, and I have I bought milkshake straws, which are sort of like um, I guess they're like the the they're McDonald's like double tea straws, yeah. sort of. Um, they're a little thinner. Yeah, no, maybe they are bubble tea straws. Maybe a thick straw. Basically. A thick straw. So so you can uh, slurp a thick milkshake without the straw collapsing. Mm-hmm. Well, Matthew, in an age when like a lot of cities are are outlawing straws and stuff, like Seattle, the city yep. that we live in. <laughs> Um, what are we supposed to do with our milkshakes? Well, I mean, oh, paper not, straws, I guess. Right, it's, it, there are paper straws, um, which I think could work well for a there milkshake. There are metal straws. There are metal straws. There are compostable straws. Mm-hmm. So you know, are any of those like quite as good as mm. a as a thick ass plastic straw? Not probably not. Yeah. Maybe there could maybe there could be a loophole. I hear a lot about loopholes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we could make a lot of money through that loophole, like like some millionaires out there. Like just selling milkshake straws? No, or? no, but like, isn't there always money to be made oh, oh, in a good oh, loophole? Oh, you want to make you want you want to take advantage of a tax loophole? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm thinking if we maybe link all the straws together, we can feed money through it. <laughs> okay. Um, but you know, like by quarter of the way through the first suck, the money gets stuck in the straw, and you're screwed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how they took down Al Capone. <laughs> so. <clears throat> You can find us online at spilledmilkpodcast.com, uh, where we'll post a recipe for the ultimate coffee milkshake that we're currently enjoying. Yep. We'll we'll also, um, we'll link there to our old milkshake episode. Yes. Episode three, the sound quality is... Abysmal. Uh-huh. Um, and probably with that episode, we posted a recipe for the sour cherry milkshakes, right? Did mm-hmm. we? Mm. We could do it again. It might have been the sour. I don't think I had invented the sour cherry milkshake yet. Wait, I didn't invent it. I don't think I started making sour cherry milkshakes yet. So it's in the sour cherry episode. It's in the which sour cherry We'll link episode. to that too, maybe. Yeah, sure. Okay. And we, uh, listeners, we would really like you to hop on over to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash spilled milk podcast. And uh, I don't know, tell us about a, a future without without straws no, in which you still about- drink milkshakes. Um, or just like tell us like a great milkshake memory. Yeah, or it doesn't have to be dystopian. Or tell us about like what was the Tulsa to your city? Yeah, what was the Tulsa to your was city? Was there was there a cool high school that you envied? Yeah. What do you think of North Dakota? North Dakota listeners, are you as laid back as I think you are? Uh, plenty of stuff to weigh in about. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Spilled Milk Podcast, where we will not be posting freak shakes. Uh, and until next time, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. Something about our freak shake brings all the freaks to the yard. No, <laughs> I, I feel like your milkshake brings all like the UPS drivers to the correct apartment door. What? Why? I don't get it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I was just picturing like I whenever we're recording, like there's usually like a UPS delivery. Oh, and you think that's uh... it's because they saw saw your milkshake. Okay. All right, I'm Matthew Amster Burton. That was a dumb closing joke. <laughs> but it, it wasn't. I don't even get it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so Molly Weisenberg. And so, so we're sitting here and like, like, uh, you think you think that like <laughs> I'm putting out some sort of like pheromone, some sort of funk that that is attracting UPS drivers from well, all over town. Your milkshake is real funk. Rather than just like, there's 40 units in my building, <laughs> units. And, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, there's a lot of deliveries. Well, and you live right above the main entrance. And I live right above the main entrance. I can I can I say so, uh, uh, this will be this will be our closing bit. Uh, just a, a, something I noticed recently about uh, UPS and other package deliveries. Yes, is that um, when they come and buzz me to like let them in, 
they do two different buzzes. Like if it's a long buzz, that means I have a package for you. And if it's a super short, like buzz, that's like the apologetic buzz. That means I don't actually have a package for you, but I need you to let me into the building anyway. Have they figured out that that your apartment is the one they can always buzz? That no, you're always I think home? they just kind of like go through and like like tap like bam 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 like someone just will let me to in. Get somebody. Yeah, the, probably they could just like get a key or a code or something. Probably this was a really interesting thing to end on, huh? Yeah, this but, is a great I, closing. I guess thing. What, what I'm what I'm saying is like I think the the language of door <laughs> buzzer could be expanded to like you know a full like. Uh, you know, with syntactic richness and stuff. Well, somebody contact Stuart Berg Flexner. Exactly. If you if you have a line on uh, the late Stuart Berg Flexner and, and can or, like bring his ghost into weigh in on are there any languages that are made up entirely of beeps? Morse code. Yeah. Of course, you're right. But I mean, that's well, that's not a language. That's like a way of encoding language. Oh. But no, I'll buy that. If if my if my UPS delivery person started <laughs> communicating with Morse codes, what if I was in my apartment and someone just fucking SOSed on the on the buzzer? I would freak out. Wait, what is SOS in Morse code? Uh, it's uh, dit 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 da 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 dit dit dit. Oh. Okay, so, so okay. you're asking because you're going to do it next time you get here and, and try and freak me out? It'll, it'll work. <laughs> I will freak. You'll know I'm coming, and, and, and you'll expect it from me. Mm, I will forget. Oh. I forget everything so that happens dit, on this dit, show dit, immediately after we dot, hit stop. Dot, dot, dit, dit, dit. Three, 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 <laughs> three uh, dits. Three dots, three dits. <laughs> I'm Matthew Amster-Burton. <laughs> I'm Molly Weisenberg. Sorry, I just looked at something on the agenda that's coming up, and I think I wrote something and forgot what I meant. Well, sorry. Okay, okay. Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Did you know that the bold, smooth taste of Dunkin' cold coffee can be brewed in your Keurig coffee maker and enjoyed at home? Dunkin's cold K-cup pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Dunkin' flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. Because the home with Duncan is where you want to be.